to a non-episode of Cinema Oblivia. I am your host for this thing, James Eldred. Today, I am joined by no one. So, it's been a while since the last episode. I'm recording this on January 14th. The last episode of Cinema Oblivia went up on December 12th. That is one month. Uh, sorry, here's what happened. Uh, I knew I was going to be busy because I'm moving to a new apartment. And then I got sick with a really bad cold right before Christmas, which delayed all my Christmas shopping, which is a blast. And then there was New Year's and la 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 And I was still sick from my cold. And then I got COVID for the first time. I know, I'm, I'm whatever the opposite of a trendsetter is. And uh, my COVID isn't terrible, but my voice is still a mess. And for the past like two weeks, I haven't been able to do a goddamn thing. Uh, because in addition to podcasting, I'm also an English teacher, and when you can't talk, you can't teach. So um, that's been fun. And now that I'm starting to feel more human, I have like a week and a half before I move. So I'm busy. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get another episode out this month. But I wanted to record something really quick, and what I thought I would do is just kind of go over what I've been watching, because I like to do that every episode, and... I've watched a lot of movies this year so far. It is, as I said, as of this recording, it is January 14th. I have watched 34 movies in 14 days. Uh, this is what happens when you're homesick and you can't move. So, let's discuss these really briefly. Uh, I thought it might be fun. There's some weird stuff here and some... Uh, you can get an idea of like what my cinematic comfort food is. You know, Go back to that episode, really, if you want more about that. I did a whole episode about what I watch when I'm in a bad mood or whatever. But anyway, before I got sick, I started off the new year with a double feature with a friend. We watched The Peace Killers, which is a 1971 hippies versus bikers flick. Um, that was fun. I don't think the film understood how hippies or bikers work, but it was a, it was a lot of fun. If you want to see somebody crucified on a giant peace symbol, check it out. Uh, it's very brutal. It's a very brutal film, though, and a content warning for sexual assault. Anyway, then we watched The Shadow Builder, which is allegedly based on a Bram Stoker story. I do not know how accurate that is. That was a piece of shit. Um, that had, uh, what's his name? Michael Rooker in it has a gun-toting priest, and it also had Tony Todd as, like, some, like, Rastafarian conspiracy. It was... It was a bad movie. It was ba Don't watch Shadow Builder, uh, sober or drunk. And then, let's see, on the third, I watched The Evil. The Evil is an old haunted house movie of which I recognize the box art from my dad's video store. And I watched this in a continuing effort to watch literally every genre film I remember from the video store. That was okay. It had Richard Crenna and Andrew Prine in it. Um, and Victor Bruno. Victor, Victor Buono? Buono. Victor Bruno. Um... It was stupid, and 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 Andrew Prine wears like matador pants, like the kind that have like the buttons on the sides, and they were like ridiculously tight. So that was fun, uh, but I mean that was that was that was okay. It was, it was it was fine. Then after that, I got my um Cushing Curiosities box set in the mail from uh, Severin Films, and I've been starting to go through that. And we watched Tender Dracula, which is a bizarre, uh. I guess, not really a horror film, it's a bizarre comedy where Peter Cushing kind of plays a vampire. He's basically playing a 
horror icon, I know, shocking, big, big stretch for him, who acts like a vampire and might be a vampire. It was a very strange film. It's a musical. <laughs> um, and uh, that was something different. If you can find it streaming and you want to see Peter Cushing playing against type, you could do worse than that. It was pretty fun. Uh, then we watched a movie called Rage, a.k.a. Death Fight. That is from 1980, 1994, and that has Richard Norton in it. Uh, he's in a lot of action movies, um, but he's usually not a lead. And if you watch this, you can see why he plays a dude who's accused of murder. And to prove he's not a murderer, he goes on a murder spree to murder all the people who have accused him of murder. It was bad. Don't watch it. Then I got COVID. And so I could barely think. For like the first three or four days, I had a terrible fever, chills. Couldn't sleep, couldn't move, couldn't eat. So that's just nonstop cinematic comfort food. I started that off by finally watching the 4K77 transfer of Star Wars. It was very nice to see a nice clean print where Hans shoots first. That warmed the cockles of my Gen X heart. Immediately after that, we went to Great Muppet Caper because whenever I'm sick, I watch, I watch a Muppet movie. And I was not in a proper state of mind to watch the first Muppet movie because it would probably make me cry. So Muppet Cape, Great Muppet Caper it is. Uh, I shocked my boyfriend with how much of that movie I was able to quote verbatim while watching it. Then Adventures in Babysitting. Okay, so, yo, so the version of Adventures in Babysitting on Disney Plus is censored. And I was outraged. It took out the immortal don't fuck with babysitter line. And it also took out the part where the older brother calls Thor a homo. And, yo, as a homo, that offended me because that's how people talked in the 1980s. And, look, if you don't want your kids to watch a movie where someone says homo, then don't show them a bit of the babysitting. Or you can be a responsible parent and explain to them how times have changed. Explain to them it's not okay to say that now. And then show them a really good movie. Bits of the babysitting. It's a good fucking movie. There's no reason to censor it. Like, fuck off, Disney+. Plus. Anyway, um, then Fish Called Wanda. Hey, that's a good movie. UHF. UHF, I always want to like more than I end up doing. It starts so slow. And I'm basically waiting for Get Watanabe to say, you're so stupid. And then supplies. And then it's over. Also, I watched that with my Japanese boyfriend. And the supplies joke, I had to rewind it like four times. And then he got it. And then he groaned. But anyway, he wasn't offended. But anyway. After that, oh boy, I had a good seventh. I watched four movies that day. We watched, <laughs> I watched Break Into, Electric Boogaloo, which, fuck anyone who makes fun of that movie. That is one of the best musicals of my lifetime with some of the best dancing you will ever see. And it is one of the most happiest, most optimistic pieces of film that's ever made. And it's like being hugged. And yeah, sure, the acting is bad and the plot is stupid, but who the fuck cares? Break into Electric Boogaloo. Amazing film. I still have not seen Break in One. It's out of print. Anyway, uh, after Break Into, Max was like, hey, you should watch Footloose. And I was like, hey, you know what, Max? You're right. So I watched Footloose. Footloose, still a great movie. Uh, Footloose is one of the best looking films of the 80s. And if you ever watch Footloose, and you should watch Footloose, really pay attention to how it's directed, the cinematography, 
and the storytelling, not just how much fun it is. Uh, it's a very well-made movie. Uh, like, it's just, it looks great. The, the juxtaposition between the fun opening credits and then immediately, like, John Lithgow's, like, fire in hell, hell storm, fire, fire brim, whatever, how, you're going to hell sermon. Um, just a great way to open the movie, the way it builds up subplots without directly spouting exposition in your face. It, it treats you like an adult, even though you're probably a kid watching it. Um, it's a great gun. Footloose is a great movie. Also a great movie, Parenthood, which we watched after Footloose because my boyfriend had only seen Diane Weist in Footloose and Lost Boys. Wow, those are great films. I really wanted her to see her act to the till and to the hilt. And man, Parenthood's, Parenthood's a, a banger. And as an adult, it hits different. I haven't seen it since the 90s. Uh, I cried like five times. It was great. And then speaking of films I haven't seen since I was a kid, then we watched Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which is not great, but it's adorable. And Sean Connery is ridiculously handsome in that. It is not fair that that man was so hot for literally almost his entire adult life. Okay, then. <clears throat> Back to the Cushing Box set. We watched Incense of the Damned, a.k.a. Bloodsuckers, I think. That was shit. Uh, it had a really long, like, 10-minute orgy sequence. Without Peter Cushing, sadly. Um, but that was actually really interesting. I, I don't know how to... Why, how to really explain it? It was a really interesting-looking orgy sequence. By a nickel. Um, Peter, Cushing, Peter Cushing's barely in it. It's not very good. Okay, then Death Ship. Another one from the video store I've always wanted to watch. George Kennedy, Nazi ship. It was bad. Um, then The Cheap Detective. This is all the same day, by the way. <laughs> I watched four movies that day. Um, Cheap Detective. That's a Peter Falk movie. Written by Neil Simon. Uh, it also stars um, Anne Margaret, Madeline Kahn, Stockard Channing, um, Scatman Crothers. Um, I think Abe Vigoda's there for like a minute and a half. Eileen Brennan, Sid Caesar. Um, Paul Williams is in that movie. Vic Tabak, Phil, Silver, Phil Silvers, David Dobkin Stiers. Um, that movie was hilarious. It's a it's, it's it's an airplane type movie, but it came up before airplane on airport. It's an air. Airport? Airport. Airplane. Airplane. Airplane's a comedy. <laughs> They're both kind of funny. It's an airplane-style movie, but it came up before airplane. So, like, non-stop jokes. And I guess it's similar to a film called Murder by Death, which I have not seen yet, although I want to see it. I did notice that a lot of people don't like that movie because of some racial humor that they found offensive. I have no opinion. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but you won't find anything like that in Chief Detective. So if you want a good... Hilarious 1970s comedy that has aged very well. And Peter Falk, yo, go on that. Then we watched Mac and Me. I feel wrong talking about Mac and Me without Madeline here. I've never seen Mac and Me. Mac and Me is bad. It's very bad. It was bad. Um, but it's not the worst movie ever made. It's a perfectly... At if it wasn't for the makeup... The gross product placement and the ridiculous ending, it would be a forgettable two-star film. But those things take it down a notch. But it's still, like, it's a well-made movie, and I will say that kid could act, and kudos to Mac and me for having the lead actor be a kid in a wheelchair and really not making a deal out of it, except for when he flies down the fucking hills. Um, 
it's like, can you name another 80s film with a positive, positive representation of a kid in a wheelchair? Didn't think so. So yeah, Mac and Me, it's horrible, but it's not the worst movie ever made. Put that in the back of the box. Okay, then I watched the 2006 remake of When a Stranger Calls. I do not know why. Um, better than the original, because that movie sucks. But it's not as good as the opening or ending of the original. The original is the first 10 minutes of five stars, the last 10 minutes of five stars, everything in the middle is half a star. This movie is a solid two and a half stars throughout. I forgot the name of the actress. She does a fine job. Um, it looks good, like a lot of those early 2000s horror remakes do. Um, but it was kind of boring. There's no no on-screen murder. No very little blood. It's PG-13. Um, but the house is amazing. Then I watched Tammy and the T-Rex. I don't know what to say about that. Um, that's a weird one. I... I really have a problem, like, so, like, Tam and the T-Rex is like cocaine bear to me because they're both intentionally, quote-unquote, intentionally bad movies. Um, But people seem to shit on cocaine bear because it was made by a big studio and this is made by some dude. The same director as Mac and me, actually. Um, Neither are great films. Um, But Tam and the T-Rex, like, I just... It it was too try-hard for me. Like, it wasn't like some, like, authentic piece of stupid bullshit made by idiots it was like an ironic piece of bullshit made by i'm not gonna call them smart but they're not idiots so like it was fine it was i mean you know it's a 1994 film with uh, denise richards and paul walker that's weird i didn't like it but i'm gonna show it to 8,000 people i don't know and then i had a friend come over who had covid last week, week before me so she was immune we watched Taurus Trap, which is a really fucked up slasher with Chuck Connors. Um, the less you know, the better. Watch it. If it's, but it's like genuinely disturbing. And then we watched Catch the Heat. Catch the Heat is a 1987 action film written and produced by Sterling Silifant, the, the writer of Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno, and In the Heat of the Night, generally regarded as one of the greatest screenplays of all time. Um, it was directed by Joel Silberg, who directed Rappin' and Breakin', but not Breakin' 2. And it stars a woman named Tiana Alexandra, who is, I believe, Vietnamese, and she was Sterling Silifant's wife. She's also about 40 years younger than him. Um, oh, and it had Rod Steiger as the bad guy, and also Toro Tanaka, the wrestlers in it. Um, I'm going to do an episode on this movie. I mark my words. I will do an episode about this movie. This movie is special. And um, the less I say now, the better. I will just say that Tiana Alexandra is this tiny little woman playing a narcotics officer. Uh, Her name in the movie is Checkers Goldberg. She goes on the cover as Cinderella Pooh. You should watch uh, Catch the Heat. You should should watch, watch that movie. Then, let's see. Oh, yes. Spread over three viewings because it was so terrible, but I wanted to finish it. Was the town that dreaded sundown? It should be called the town that dreaded a plot because nothing happens in that fucking movie. Um, last not fair, the ending is great, and the murder scenes are what are the attack scenes? Because then everyone dies. The attack scenes are genuinely, genuinely intense, but it's all padded with nothing and some of the worst comic relief I've ever seen in a movie. Um, I 
I'm glad I finally watched it because when I was a kid, the box scared me uh, at the video store, but it was bad. And then immediately continued after that, I just, I, this, this day I watched five movies. Uh, after that, I immediately watched Exterminator 2, not as good as Exterminator, and it has uh, a good, strong flame floor opening and a good, strong um, garbage truck from hell ending, but the middle is kind of blah, blah. But I will say that um, um, Mario Van Peebles looks amazing in that movie. Um, he looks amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it is that movie is synthwave. Um, good. I mean, not good. It mediocre vigilante film. I liked it, but at the end of it, I just wanted to watch Death Wish, Death Wish three. Um, which is a better version of that same thing. Immediately after that, I watched Blood Games. Blood Games is a movie about an all female baseball team that is stalked by rednecks. It's really gross. Um, all the content warning you can possibly imagine. I did enjoy it because sometimes I like to watch movies where bastards die painfully and the bastards in this film die very painfully. It was also very well made, very well directed, decent performances. If you can stomach some pretty skeezy, scuzzy stuff and you like a good revenge movie, Blood Games, good one. Then the boyfriend and I continued the Peter Cushing box set with The Man Who Finally Died, which is a great name for a film. And that'll be my, my obit title for Donald Trump. Anyway, The Man Who Finally Died. It's about a guy who goes to his father's hometown because he's told his father is alive when he thought his father was dead. And he gets there and his father is still dead, but he died recently, not a long time ago. And then hilarious, cons it's a weird one. It's a conspiracy thriller, and the conspiracy doesn't make much sense, especially since at several points in the film, people could just tell the guy what's happening, but they just choose not to, because if they did, the movie would end. So it was a mess. And also, Peter Cushing is barely in it. Okay, we're getting there. We're about halfway. More than halfway. Almost done. So then, we had to, wanted to watch something good. Um, I saw that the Heavenly Kid was streaming on, I think, screen picks. Uh, much like Darby O'Gill and the Little People, it's not a film I had seen since I was a kid. I wanted to watch it again. Heavenly Kid is about a 1950s greaser who dies and comes back as a guardian angel for a awkward teenager in the mid-80s. It all has um, a bunch of people you don't know and Richard Mulligan from Soap and Empty Nest and Jane... Kazmer, Jane Kazmer, the mom from Bachman in the Middle. You know who that is. Uh, the main guy is Lewis Smith. I don't know who that is, but people seem to know who that is. Um, that's a very charming film. Uh, it made me cry. It, the, the, the stuff with the, the guardian angel, I mean, that's fine, whatever it is, but there's a subplot with his girlfriend who is the mother of the kid in the future, in the, in the 80s, and there's a scene with those two that is that movie is punching above its weight. It delivers, and it's the emotional impact is is shockingly good for a stupid teen comedy. Uh, also, great '80s soundtrack. Why that, that movie needs to get re-released? Um, another one I spun out over two days was Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. I have nothing to add to the Silent Night, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two discourse. I will just say that. Um, it's not a good movie, and while people make make 
comment on Garbage Day as well they should. Um, the scene where the one girl tells her boyfriend that she dumped him because she quote he quote unquote ruined her sweater. Was I think that means he came on it too much? That's funny. Anyway, uh, after that I watched Rashomon because <laughs> I was like, let's watch a good movie. Um, Rashomon's really good, but I don't. It was good. I mean, yeah, it's one of the greatest movies ever made and super influential, but I didn't see the big deal. I guess I came to it too late. It is a beautiful film. The performances are amazing. I just, the story to me didn't seem like that big a deal. It's just a bunch of people lying. Like, that's all it is, right? And, like, I guess that's a big deal for the time, but it didn't it didn't hit with me. I liked it. it it's good. I want to see more I want to see more Kurosawa. One of my newest resolutions this year is more Kurosawa. Then I watched Moonstruck. Moonstruck's one of the greatest movies I've made. I didn't know that. Uh first time I saw it, the fucking blew my goddamn mind. No one in history in the history of cinema is more beautiful than Cher is in the second act of Moonstruck. Fuck a duck. She is gorgeous. I am jealous. She looks amazing. And anyway, that movie is fantastic. That movie is incredible. If you haven't seen Moonstruck and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably haven't. Yo, watch Moonstruck. That shit is fantastic. It is just the happiest, most lovely, charming, adorable movie you'll ever see. Um, Cher's great in it. Danny Aiello's great in it. Nicolas Cage is great in it. Um, fucking John Mahoney's in it. He's really good in it. It's Olivia Olympia Dukakis. Fantastic. And, oh, watch Moonstruck. It's good. Don't watch The Scarecrows. Or The Scarecrows. Don't watch Scarecrows. That's a movie about killer scarecrows. It's bad. We watch that. Don't. Don't watch that. And then so I was at home watching a playlist I made of Jim's, Jim Steinman videos, as one does. Jim Steinman, for those those of you who don't know, is the composer of Total Eclipse of the Heart, two out of most meatloaf, most good meatloaf songs. Um, he produced this Corrosion. Um, he wrote Making Love Out of Nothing at All, uh, the music from Streets of Fire. You know, six and a half minute fucking bangers. And he wrote the song, he wrote a song called Original Sin, which was then covered by Taylor Dane for the soundtrack to The Shadow. And I love that song. And I watched that video like 25 times. And eventually I was watching with my boyfriend and in the clips, the video has clips from the movie and one of them has a cop in it. And my boyfriend's like, that's Pete from Benson. Because <laughs> we love Benson. And I'm like, you're right. That is Pete from Benson. We should watch this movie. Uh, he has one scene. Uh, although his scene is with the dad from Alf. Alf and the bad guy from The Evil That Men Do. So there's that. Um, a lot of weird actors in that movie. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Winters is in The Shadow. Um, that big dude who was in Parker Lewis Can't Lose and then ER for like 80 million years. That big guy, he's in it. Um, the, the dad's mouth. Um, also Alec Baldwin is gorgeous. Um, the shadow's not great. It was fun. I, it was fun to watch it and kind of like 
compare it to like modern superhero films because there's, there's there's no blue screens. It's all matte paintings and miniatures and and models and stop motion and CGI, early CGI, and and it has a real tangible like fun vibe that I just wish it had a better story to go with it because it looks great. It's in the director of Highlander. I forgot his name, but you know that guy. He, he Highlander and Razorback and The Shadow. You know classics and then the next day i was like well we watched the shadow we should watch the phantom <laughs> uh unlike the shadow i had never seen the phantom the phantom is fun I-, I enjoyed it more than i thought i would uh billy zane's billy zane billy zane attractive man it's, it has pre oh no she's crazy christy swanson and that's cool. Um, Treat Williams is a fantastic bad guy. He's having so much fun. His character name is Xander Drax. That's fun. Carrie uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa's in it. Um, and who? Oh, James Remar from The Warriors is in it. And he's really good too. Uh, movie looks great. It's bright as fuck. It is like one of the most 90s, like fuck shadows. We're going to see everyone's faces all the time. Movies. Um, some amazing stunt work, great score. Uh, I get why it wasn't a hit because it's a very stupid, but it's a fun stupid. I mean, it, you could again, you could do a lot worse than the Phantom. Watch the Phantom; uh, it's better than the Shadow. And finally, we watched Arnold. Arnold is a 1973 horror comedy that was re-released by um, Vinegar Syndrome relatively recently. Uh, Looking at the credits right now, I just realized Jamie Farr is in that fucking movie. God damn it. Toledo's own. <laughs> I'm from Toledo. Um, it has Stella Stevens as a woman who has to marry a corpse in order to get his money. And then people start dying. And it maybe I wasn't in the right headspace, but I just found it kind of gross and not funny and really kind of too dark and mean-spirited, and, like, it's about a bad person murdering people who we're supposed to not like, but, like, Stella Stevens's character, her only crime seems to be that she's a woman, and the movie wants to punish her for it, and I just thought that was gross. Um, and it's just so mean. Like, it's just, it's a real, it's a real nasty flick. Um, the more I think about it, the, least, the, the less I liked it. Less I like it. It, it but people can. I seem to be in the minority there. People can do enjoy it. So if you like a good, very British, mean spirited dark comedy, maybe watch Arnold. I, I, I hated it. But anyway, um. So yeah, that's thirty four movies in fourteen days. I have to be the only person in twenty twenty four who has seen two films by Stuart Raffel, uh, Mac and Me, and Tammy and the T Rex. Um. Jamie, I sorry. This is just kind of me rambling for half an hour. I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to get something out there to let everyone know what's going on. I hope I gave you some good movie recommendations uh, to tide you over until I come back. When I'm coming back, I don't know. Um, I'm moving next week. I, I do not have time to podcast. I, I am so busy. Um, so probably something will come up in the second half of February. And then after that, health notwithstanding, I'm going to try to get back to the bi-weekly schedule. So I appreciate everyone's patience. Um, you know, uh, as always, follow me on Twitter 
Um, follow me on Letterboxd, and you would have known all of this before I said it here. And uh, I'll be back when I'm back. Um, and thanks to everybody who reached out on Twitter to make sure I wasn't dead. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll be back soon, I hope. Until then, take care.